most transfigured on the mount, O Christ our God, revealing thy glory to thy disciples as far as they could bear it. Let thine everlasting light shine upon us sinners through the prayers of the Theotokos, O giver of light, glory to Thee. Hi there, Christos Anesti, Christ is risen. Welcome back to another live stream Bible study on 1 Corinthians, inspired by the homilies of St. John Chrysostom. My name is Father Athanasios Heros, and I'm the Dean here at the St. Nicholas Greek Orthodox Cathedral in Tarpon Springs, Florida, and I'm your host for Be Transfigured Ministries. If you're new, welcome, welcome, welcome. If you are an old Bible study person, meaning you've been here before, welcome back. For those of you new, let me share with you a little bit about our Bible study. Our Bible study are, um, are based on the homilies of St. John Chrysostom from the year we think it's about 385 AD when he served as a priest in Antioch. Now we call them homilies, but more than likely they were Bible studies, a traditional Bible study. And to that effect, St. John Chrysostom always almost always and so far only one time have we found this not to be the case that he starts his bible study and the first portion is what we call a traditional text analysis chapter by chapter verse by verse and then the second portion of his uh, study is what i call the life application some kind of a moral teaching some kind of an encouragement where he launches into something inspired by maybe a word maybe a verse uh, and so that's how our Bible study is handled. There's a study guide for every session. And tonight we are on session 23, which is homily 22. In the study guide, there is a link to a free online version of the homily. You can find the study guide at my website, liveanewlifeinchrist.org slash Bible dash studies and you'll see a link for every one of the sessions for our first Corinthians study we are in session 23 which means does anyone know what that means we are halfway tonight is the halfway point that means we have another 22 sessions to go uh, so we finally three years into this project we, we are halfway through the project but it's been a it's been a difficult year with cancellations and my travel schedule and what have you but we're blessed and we're we're thankful to be where we are so you can get your study guide and then if you're watching on YouTube there is a live chat room available on YouTube but you have to be watching on YouTube directly so in the bottom right corner of your screen if you say watch on YouTube and you have a YouTube account you can participate in the live chat room it is moderated by my wife Presvitera Vasi and every now and then she's waving to the people in the room she's not waving to you maybe you can put a little wave in your in your chat room uh, but if you'd like to bump a question up into the into the group I'd be glad to address it live for everybody else um, let's see what else do we have in terms of uh, bookkeeping 
We got everything taken care of. Oh, uh, you'll notice there was a commercial when you turned on the live Bible study. There's also a fundraising button at the top right corner of your screen. I think it's at the top right corner of your screen. Uh, and if we're able to raise $1,200, then all of our Bible studies will become commercial free. So feel free to make a contribution using the, the uh, fundraising button, or you can also make a contribution leaving a super chat contribution if you wish to do that. Or you can go to our website, liveanewlifeinchrist.org slash give, and you can become a monthly sponsor of Be Transfigured Ministries. All of those things assist us in bringing our ministry to you. All right, so before we start, Presidenta, do you want to let us know who's online? We have Angeliki from Canada, Philip from Macedonia, Denise from Virginia, Ray and Jane from Land of Lakes, and John, but I don't know where John is from. <laughs> All right. Oh, from Brandon, he just wrote, right? Oh, from Brandon. All right, Thanks. wonderful. All right, so let's go ahead and start with our prayer and move on from there. <clears throat> In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Shine within our hearts, loving Master, the pure light of your divine knowledge, and open the eyes of our minds that we may comprehend the message of your gospel. Instill in us also reverence for your blessed commandments, so that having conquered sinful desires, we may pursue a spiritual life, thinking and doing all those things which are pleasing to you. For you, Christ, our God, light of our souls and bodies, do we give glory together with the Father of the beginning and your all holy, good, and life-creating spirit now and forever and to the ages of ages. Amen. One final reminder, if you are here in Tarpon Springs, we would love to have you join us live in the room. There are some people in the room. It's not just all of you at home. Uh, we are in Father Trifon Hall in downtown Tarpon Springs, Florida. And we have tonight's Bible study and then the next two Tuesdays. So we'll go through the end of May and then we're going to take our summer break. So we have two more sessions in the spring and then we'll get back together in the fall sometime, probably early September. Okay, so session 23, homily 22. We are studying tonight 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 13 through 23. Connor, would you like to read for us? Just make sure you get good and close to the microphone.
without law, not being without law toward God, but under a law towards Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker of it with you. All right, can they hear now? Is your light red? It was, it, I had, the, the, I would have a problem. Are there, can they hear me now? I don't know. Can you hear me now, everybody? Say something. Hello. <laughs> Denise says she can hear now. Okay. All right, so, uh, into our text analysis, you'll see in the study guide, remember the section numbers have nothing to do with the content. It is simply how the editors arrange the text. And I put it there so people know where to look in the homily for the various citations that I'm referencing, okay? So, section one, point number one that I'm going to make. St. Paul teaches from the position of dignity, making it easier to hear, meaning easier for us to not physically hear, no pun intended for having problems with the sound system tonight, but, um, oh, see, I'm getting feedback now. I'm going to have to turn it down a little bit again. Nobody's on. Okay. Nobody's on. All right, that should be a little bit better now. No, I'm, my warning here, because the microphones are way up. It's, it's the, anyway, I'm going to have to work on it better for next week. I hope that's a little bit better for everybody. Okay, so... St. Paul teaches from the position of dignity, making it easier to hear. He says, uh, Chrysostom says this, But consider, I pray, in this also the wisdom of Paul, how he mentions the matter in a way to give it dignity, right? So if he gives the topic dignity, we're more likely to listen to what he has to say. So he's elevating the topic, right? And sometimes St. Paul descends to the topic, so we'll pay attention to him to talk like at our level. And other times, like in this case, he's taking the topic and elevating the topic. He sometimes will do either one of those directions and always for the purpose of getting us to draw in and pay attention so we don't tune him out. Right? So in this case, he's elevating the topic so we, don't get, so we don't tune him out. Point number two. Once something is given to the church, we lose control. It isn't ours any longer. Ah, this is a good point for us. And, uh, so listen to what Christopher says here. For the things offered now no longer belonged to those who offered them, but to the temple and the altar. That's a big one for, for uh, not in, uh, look, today, the ancient church, this is an obvious thing, right? But I gave, that, I gave that pen in 1922. Why is the priest not using the pen anymore? Maybe because the pen doesn't work anymore, right? <laughs> but uh, once we give it, it is no longer ours. And I think that's a, that's a good lesson for us, especially in our modern day world, because we want to hold everything, you know, that whole uh, uh, honoring the donor, all that. No, you know what, you're going to give it to the church, let the church do with it as it needs to do. Point number three. We do not all have the same responsibilities in the church. This is a good one also for us. Listen to this. 
Again, as he had spoken of the priests among the Jews vis-a-vis -vis both the Levites and the chief priests, so he has expressed each of the orders, both the inferior and the superior, the one by saying, they which minister about sacred things, and the other by saying, they which wait upon the altar. For not to all was one work commanded, but some were entrusted with the coarser, others with the more exalted offices. So this, this point here, remember, this is, this is going along the train of thought where St. Paul is talking about the rights and responsibilities, right, if we're carrying over from last week. And so this is elevating that saying, look, it's that everyone has rights and responsibilities and whether you are this office or that office or this office or that office, we all have a different level of responsibility, but we all have responsibilities. All right. Uh, section number two in the homily, point number four. St. Paul sets a lofty example for our humility to follow. Watch this. That is to say, many things given me license, the soldier, the husbandman, the shepherd, the apostles, the law, the things done by us unto you, the things done by you unto the others, the priests, the ordinance of Christ. By none of these have I been induced to abolish my own law and to receive. So what St. Paul is saying here quite simply is, look, I have done all of these things that deserve the rights and privileges, and yet I don't claim them. Right? So he's giving us that example of humility. And again, like with the point of once you give it to the church, how many times do we see today, oh, but I've done this, I've done that, I've done this, how come I'm not getting special treatment? St. Paul would say, well, I did even more, and I'm not getting special treatment. Why should you get special treatment, right? This is, he's trying to bring us, again, he's elevated this topic, so we're, we're going to pay attention. He's not talking down to us. Instead, he's raising up the topic, so we see that it is worthy of our attention. I think, I still think it's funny how he's, his comment was, I would rather die than allow anyone to deprive me of this post. And he's like, that, that's a, that's a, it reminds me of Jonah. He's like, I'd rather die. Yeah, right. This, this is very, this is very, um, um, what's, theatrical kind of thing. I, I, like, just kill me already. <laughs> Not quite there, but okay. <laughs> Section three, point number five. If all we do is what we ought to do, we deserve no glory. This, I, I, I encounter this all the time in the greater work of the church, no matter where I go in the country. Chrysostom says, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. For woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. In other words, look, if I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do, and this is a big one in our self-oriented society. They didn't thank me. They didn't honor me. They didn't put me at the head table. All you're doing is what you're expected to do. Why do you want special accolades for that? This is what St. Paul is trying to teach. This is what St. John Christophe is saying. Look, 
if all you're doing is what's expected of you, why are we expecting special treatment? Why are we expecting something? And there's the interesting, right? So St. Paul does all these lofty things to deserve special privileges, which he's choosing not to take. And how is, he, how is he defending that from a sense of humility? He's saying, look, all these things I've done, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. Why should I get any special treatment from that? So he's kind of using his own example to nudge them into the same kind of, and nudge us into the same kind of perspective, right? If all we do is what we ought to do, we deserve no glory. I wonder if that's worthy of a bumper sticker, Pazudetta. No, nah, probably not. Well, a meme that would be a good orthodox meme for those of you out there who want to make an orthodox meme I'll give you the graphic oh, and you may now you make you may turn it into a meme okay yes I think, I think I'm thinking as you say this my first thought is like Mother's Day though like a mother does not take care of her family so that she can get flowers and lunch on Mother's Day a mother takes care of her family because she loves her family and in a way she's kind of obligated to make sure that the children know how to walk and wipe their mouths and do what they have to do. So it's like, you know, we do it because we have to do it. We want to do it, not because we, um, we All right, you heard it here, folks, but as Videra Vasi says, we should get rid of Mother's Day. I did not say get rid of Mother's Day. All right, you heard it here first. It could actually be once a month. <laughs> not once a week. It could be season. All right, speaking, speaking of Mother's Day, let's point, section four, point number six. It is great to condescend to bring others up rather than to exalt yourself. Again, this is that pattern all the way back, um, if you've been with my Bible studies, all the way back to Acts. Christ condescended to humanity in order to raise up humanity. The apostles condescended to the people in order to raise up the people. St. Paul condescends to the people in order to raise up the people. This is the pattern of, of the ministry in the church. So it says, it is, a, it is great to condescend to bring others up rather than exalting yourself. Chrysostom says, thus, doing as he did all things of free choice and zeal and love to Christ, he had an insatiable desire for the salvation of mankind. Wherefore also he used to overpass by a very great deal the lines marked out in every way springing higher than the very heaven. Right? So his whole idea is, and you're going to see this as we go along tonight, Everything he does is for the salvation of other people. None of it is for his own honor. And I, I, would, I would even venture to say in our modern church, that's very rare. Right? Because our, our how do I want to say this? Our default human position is wanting glory. Right? And I knew a priest one time and I'm not very good at this, I'll confess. He said, we thank people because we should thank them, but they should refuse the thanks because they shouldn't want to be thanked. But we still have to thank them. And so we get into this struggle 
Am I saying thank you so you feel glorified or am I saying thank you as a genuine expression of my gratitude? Right? And there's a, there's a conflict there sometimes in our own hearts. But um, what he's p pointing here is, you know, we, we, we do these things to lift others up, not to exalt ourselves. All right, section number five, quote number seven. St. Paul, as I said, is willing to do whatever it takes to save even a few. Listen to what Chrysostom says here. Do you see how far it is carried? I have become all things to all men, not expecting, however, to save all, but that I may save, though it be but a few. And so great care and service have I undergone, as one naturally would, who was about saving all. Far however, far, however, from hoping to gain all, which was truly magnanimous and a proof of burning zeal. Let me see if I can put that in modern English. He put in the effort necessary to save all, hoping to save a few. Instead of putting in the effort only necessary to save a few. Does that make sense? So even though he knew he wasn't going to save everybody, it did not, he did not allow that to diminish his effort. And I think, again, that shows his great love, that shows his commitment, and he's going to do anything he can to save even a few people. And I, I love the fact that it, knowing he's not going to save everybody, it does not diminish the effort he's willing to make. And it reminds me of Christ. Christ, long before he ever took on flesh from the Panagia, knew how many people would reject him. But he didn't allow that to diminish the effort and the work he put in, in terms of the cross, in terms of his compassion, and all that kind of thing. So there's the example set for us. We put in the effort necessary and continue trying to save everyone, knowing we'll be lucky to save a few. So we don't let it diminish our effort. I think that's a really good challenge for us, especially when we talk about orthodoxy in America. You know, we're such the small minority in America. What are we doing to bring others to Christ, right? And if we follow St. Paul's uh, suggestion, we're going to do whatever it takes to reach everybody while understanding and accepting that not everybody is going to, to choose the church. This little group that's kind of gathered, yeah. For those of you not in Tarpon Springs, we have a nice little group of, uh, of young adults who are, who are at various stages of joining the church. That's what she, she that brings her joy. The convert the convert crew, that's what you call yourselves? No, I don't know. Oh, that's what you call them. Oh, I don't know. I think we're called the, uh, the Beautiful Ball Men's Club. Uh, I think you're called... The <laughs> <laughs> he, he did not have his microphone on. Uh, several of these young men, again, two of them are already Orthodox, but they're in this journey toward Orthodoxy at different stages. A bunch of them decided to shave their heads. I guess because they want to look more like me. I don't know. but um, And I called them a bunch of bowling balls the other day. But anyway... Beautiful bald man, that what you called yourself? Okay. All right, point number eight. St. Paul even rejects the spiritual reward, even though they are due, in order to show humility. 
right? He's going to reject every honor given to him in order to help save some people. Chris Dunham says this, Do you see the excellency of his perfection? How he wrought beyond the things commanded, not receiving when it was lawful to receive. Do you see the exceeding greatness of his condescension? How he that was under the law to Christ and kept that highest law to them that were without law was one as one without law to the Jews as a Jew in either kind showing himself preeminent and surpassing all. And again, so oh, John says great group. I wonder if John is bald. The RSS says balding is greatness. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Um, and again, just that... I, I, I forgot, for those of you new to our Bible study, again, the reason we're studying this the way we are. St. Paul was writing to the Corinthian Christians. Corinth, at the time of St. Paul, was very much like modern-day America. Multicultural, multi-ethnic, very wealthy, but all sorts of schismatic moralities going on in the community. St. John Chrysostom, in the late 300s, preaching to Antioch, also very much like our modern American society. Multicultural, very wealthy, cosmopolitan, yet f um, fractured, not schismatic, fractured is the word I was looking for before, right? And so these are giving us wonderful examples of how we can behave. If we can condescend not in the pejorative sense, but come down to the people we're expecting to try and lift up. This is that great, great opportunity that uh, St. Paul and St. John Chrysostom are expressing. And that is where St. John Chrysostom leaps off into what I call the life application. So tonight's life application is love Christ above all else to save a few. All right, so as I mentioned, St. John Chrysostom now is going to leap into this section. And again, if you haven't read the homily, raise your hand. Did you read the homily this week in advance? You did. Did you get a chance to read it? No. Did you read it at home? Remember, you get a lot more out of Bible study if you've read it in advance. Because I am only going to pull out excerpts, and there's much more of value there in the actual homily, right? And so here we are. Our life application, love Christ above all else to save a few. Let's look at our first quote. Point number, point number one, which on our study guide is number nine. You'll find it in section six of the homily. Loving Christ means condescension to save others. Chrysostom says this, for this is not to fall, but to descend. For he who falls lies prostrate, hardly to be raised up again. But he who descends shall also rise again with much advantage. As also Paul descended indeed alone, but ascended with the whole world, not acting a part, for he would not have sought the gain of them that are saved had he been acting. Right? Showing the genuine love and effort from St. Paul. 
So loving Christ means coming down to their level, right? Because that's what Christ did. That's what the apostles did. That's what St. Paul did. That's what St. John Chrysostom did. This is what the saints do. This is what we're called to do. Next point, point number 10 in the, in the study guide. History doesn't matter. Free will is strong enough to be saved. Now remember, these headlines are my words, not St. John Chrysostom's. Here's Chrysostom here. On this account, you see, his former life was recorded. So contrary to this, that we may learn that the work is one of choice, and that to the willing of willing all things are easy. Let us not then despair, but even though thou be a reviler, or covetous, or whatsoever you are, Consider that Paul was a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious and the chief of sinners and suddenly rose to the very summit of virtue and his former life proved no hindrance to him. Right? You have a question. So don't let your checkered past stop you from ascending to Christ. That's the key in this quote. You have a question, go ahead. How does someone get a copy of the homily? Ah, how does someone get a copy of the homily? In the study guide, online there is a link. Every study guide has a link to the homily for that particular week, okay? And it's free. Uh, and if you go to that link and then just you'll see at the top of the page you'll see the link for first corinthians they'll just list them all there in order okay all right next point so don't let your checkered past get in the way history doesn't matter next point here and you'll find it in section 7 of the homily. Free will is strong enough to repent. Listen to what Chrysostom says here. For there is nothing to hinder him that wills to become good, even though before he should be one of the vilest. And in fact, we are more aptly disposed that way, inasmuch as virtue is agreeable to our nature and vice contrary to it, even as sickness and health. For God has given us eyes, not that we may look wantonly, but that admiring his handiwork we may worship the Creator. Does that make sense? So what Christism is saying here is that because our true human nature tends toward godliness, all that is required is our free will to make the leap. Our free will is enough to repent. In other words, if we don't want to repent, if we're not using the free will, we're going to stay in our fallenness. But our free will is strong enough to give us to that repentance because our nature already tends to it, right? We have eyes and we all know what is genuine beauty, right, coming from God. We all know what is good because that's inside of us. That is part of that, that uh, what did someone call it the other day? That, that, that God gene that is inside of us, that holiness gene. We all know that, that genuineness from God. Okay, so free will is strong enough to repent. Next. 
What works naturally also works spiritually. And if we hear anything cruel or merciless among our flesh creeps, again, our flesh creeps, but if anything decorous and kind, we even exult and rejoice. Again, if our mouth utters base words, it causes us to be ashamed and hide ourselves. But if grave words, it utters them with ease and all freedom. Now for these things, which are according to nature, no one would blush. But for those which are against nature... I make this comparison all the time. What works in nature also works in our spirituality. And so his point that he's making here is, if it is true that our body negatively reacts to physically bad things, to illness, to that kind of thing, even to hearing ugliness. If we have a negative reaction to that, that's a natural response. Ew! His point here, when if that works naturally, it also works spiritually. And I've said that, you know, many times in different courses. What works for our bodies works for our soul. Why? Because our body and soul is connected. Right? We are not just bodies, nor are we just souls. We are both. That's what makes us a living being. We have the living breath of God, our soul. And so it's a, it's a, a, a logical connection there that what works physically, naturally also works spiritually. All right, next point. Covetousness is painful and unfulfilling. For such is the way of the covetous. Not that they may enjoy do they possess, but that they may not enjoy. But if this seem to you a riddle, hear next what is yet worse than this and more perplexing, that not in this way only are they deprived of the pleasure of goods, but they are not venturing to use them as they would, but also by their never being filled with them, but living in a continual thirst, than which what can be more grievous, right? Greed is insatiable. That covetousness, always wanting more. You always want more, you are never satisfied. And what can be more painful than that? You know? You're never happy. You're never, it, it is, it is, and it's not just money necessarily. You can, you can covet power. You can covet authority. And you can covet just about anything, right? And when we covet, we're never satisfied because we always want more. And as Chrysostom is saying here, even the parts that we get, we don't use for good things, right? And that's why it's really painful for us because we're not ever being satisfied. And, and since we're not satisfied, we're not at ease. We're always, you know, what's next? What's the next corner? What's more? That kind of thing. All right. But is there any other questions from the chat room we want to add tonight before we move on to our send-off? We're a little early. It was a short homily this week. Okay, Connor has a question. Since the microphone's not working very well, read it into it, and then I'll repeat it. Um, in today's extreme, even closer in today's very consumerist society uh, do you have any tips spiritually on how to overcome sensory 
do I have? It's kind of ingrained into our culture as Americans. Yeah, well, it is. It, do I, the question is, in our society that is so integrated, do I have any suggestions on how to, how to get away from it? I think spiritually, my first suggestion would be to fast. And that is really goes along with what St. John Christum says. It's not in these homilies, but he has said it before. I think he says it in his homilies on Acts. He says, when we fast, we learn how not to want. Right? So if we're struggling with greed, then we increase our fasting, not because there's anything special about food, but it's how we train ourselves that we have enough to be satisfied. And so I would start there. And, and frankly, and you'll see this again next week in the homily, again, this connection between the body and soul. Because greed is this insatiable appetite, well, how do we control our appetite? With the things we eat. And so many times you'll see fasting is a cure for these spiritual ailments. So if you're struggling with greed, I would say increase your fasting. Good question. Good question. You have one from the chat room? No. Uh, no. It said it was helpful. Um, I think the other thing besides fasting is that we always ask God for his blessing. Lord, bless, bless this um, purchase, bless my needs, bless Established tithing in the Old Testament, and the commandment was to bring a tenth of everything to the church. And I use this example many times, especially like with teenagers. What's your hobby? Uh, coffee. Coffee is your hobby. Okay. So let's say you're saving up for this really cool coffee machine for your apartment, right? And you make, to make math easy, you make $100 a week. And so tithing means that you're giving $10 to the church and you're keeping 90, right? And so let's say you're saving up and this coffee machine is $1,000. And you're at the point where you have $900. You're like, oh, I'm almost there, right? And your next paycheck comes in, and your paycheck is $100, right? Now you have a choice to make. Do I tithe 
and now I only have $990 toward the thousand, which means I'm two paychecks away, not one paycheck away. Or does, eh, let me just get the coffee machine, right? And so tithing helps us keep things in perspective. It's not that the church needs money. God knows how much we crave this stuff. And so he gives us these spiritual disciplines to help us, right? And so when we're approaching the total that we need for something and we have to wait one more paycheck to put us over the threshold because tithing keeps us from, from meeting at that time, there's a spiritual lesson there. I can wait. It's not everything I can have, you know, I can have it later. And so I think between tithing and fasting, I think we learn how to kind of subdue our, our craving, our insatiableness. Yes? I, was, I just remembered my brother-in-law went to India on a mission trip. And when he came back, after seeing the intense poverty of the people there, he started giving everything away. You don't need two blankets. We don't need two pairs of jeans. We I don't need five pairs of shoes. And he started giving everything away. My sister was chasing around behind him. <laughs> but we get winter. They don't have winter. <laughs> we, we have social obligations. They didn't have social obligations. And so there's, there's like the, the borderline between, um, b between necessity and desire, right? I mean, do you need five pairs of jeans? You know what? That's not far-fetching, far far-reaching. Do you need 20? No, probably not. So there's, there's, a, there's that borderline of where we each have to understand what is, um, what is necessary and what is just um, our ego. Well, some people, they buy, 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 and then they even put the tags on. Well, that's, that's, that's hoarding. Uh, hoarding is another level where people just keep buying and buying and buying. But is it something that a person is born with it? Uh, well, I think we're all born with that. That's, okay. I think we're all born, are we born with that, that, that greed? I think we're all born with it, Maria, because we're, we, we all want more than we have. But that's craving Christ, and we're replacing it with things. Well, but here's the, go, go all the way back to Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve had everything they needed. The devil tricked Eve into thinking she wanted and needed more. And so ever since, humanity has always wanted more than we've had. We've never been satisfied with enough. It's part of our brokenness. It's part selfishness is that we are always about ourselves, right? The root of all sin is the ego. Well, what's more egotistical than greed? Covetedness. I want what I don't have. That is the definition of covet. I want what I don't have. Okay? And so it becomes I want more because I don't have more. I, it's always, I want, I want, I want. Well, so is it any surprise that the first thing Christ says is, if you want to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me? The human condition starts with me, 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 me. 
And so that's, that's whether it's finances or power or authority or whatever it is, we always want more of what we don't need, have. And that's why the very first step in following Christ, it's uh, St. John of the Ladder talks about it in the Ladder of Divine Ascent, right? The first step in the ladder is rejecting the world. Because we have to get, we have to break ourselves of this, of this cycle. And that's why Christ gives us fasting and tithing and all these other spiritual disciplines are all meant to help us get over ourselves. When we get over ourselves, we stop being so greedy. Yeah? John made a comment. Yeah? I can't see them all there, so. Oh. John's comment was, I was thinking of Paul when he said he kept his body under subjection. Yes, and we're going to talk about that next week. That's for next week. That's next week, John. You're jumping ahead. You're jumping ahead. Okay, so that leads us to where we finish every week, which is what I call the send-off. It's what's going to lead us into next week and give us that inspiration until our next Bible study. So this week's send-off is pleasure, talking about satisfaction, wanting things. Pleasure is to be truly free. Listen to what Chris Sam says here. For what else is pleasure but freedom from care and fear and despondency and not being under the power of any? And who is in pleasure? Tell me. The man in frenzy and convulsion who is goaded by various lusts and is not even himself? Or he who is freed from all these waves and is settled in the love of wisdom, as it were, in a harbor? Right? So if you want true pleasure, then find true freedom. And that is freedom from the passions. Not freedom for the passions, but freedom from all the passions. That is what it means to be truly have, truly have pleasure. Pretty challenging. Next week we will continue. We are now halfway through our project. I want to thank uh, all of you for coming tonight. I want to thank the, f the few of us in the room for having patience, having the camera, having the microphones, and what have you. And until next week, God bless you, and don't forget to live a new life in Christ. Be Transfigured is a production of Be Transfigured Ministries in cooperation with the St. Nicholas Greek Orthodox Cathedral in Tarpon Springs, Florida. We depend upon your generosity to maintain our ministry. You can make a safe online donation when you visit our website, liveanewlifeinchrist.org.